Today, I want to preach a message on uh, spiritual warfare. In the book of uh, Nehemiah, um, let me find Nehemiah, I had it marked earlier, in chapter 4, how many know that when you do something for God, oftentimes there's opposition to what God wants you to do, right? Not everything God has for you to do is just going to come as a cakewalk. We talked about this a little bit last week, but many times, um, because of the fact you're serving God, you're going against the grain, you're doing something new, you're stirring things up, there is opposition. And there was certainly opposition in Nehemiah's day when they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. There were those around uh, that city who didn't want to see them do that. And how many of you know, we're in a building season right now, and there is opposition right now. But it says this, there, there was a, a threat from an enemy around them that wanted, was threatening to attack them. And it says this in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 16. Nehemiah said, from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work. With one hand, they held a weapon uh, and with one hand they held, I'm sorry, with the materials they did the work with one hand, with the other hand they held their weapon and, and the other. Each one of the builders uh, wore a sword at his side as he worked. Okay, so there's this idea that they're doing two things at once. They're building, but then there's this opposition that's coming against them. They have their weapon in the other hand. Um, as a billion. And this is what it's like many times for, for us, for believers. We're, we're putting our hands on something, but at the same time, there's spiritual um, attacks that are happening at the same time. We have to do these things simultaneously. And I think we're in a season of that now. And I want, one of the things I want for this church, for Sea Life Church, is for us to be wise and discerning believers who know how to fight and win spiritual battles. I want that for you. I want you to know in your home, in your personal life, in your church, in your families, I want in your workplaces, I want you to know how to fight and to win spiritual battles. It says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. This is in the New, New Living Translation. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. How many know? That the devil has some strategies. The devil has some schemes. The devil has some strategy. I think the, the, the NIV calls them schemes. The devil is a schemer. The the um, the Strong's um, the, the the Greek word for for schemes here it, it's it's uh, methodia, and this is where it's the root of the English term method, and it means this a predictable preset method used in organizing. Uh, an organized evil doing, well crafted trickery. Okay, notice it's predictable. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and you've you become aware of the schemes of the enemy, after a while, this, the the schemes of the enemy become actually quite predictable in our lives. In fact, it's like, okay, come on, devil, you've played this hand before. I know what you're doing here, and we need to be wise to the schemes of the devil. How many of you have uh, you've ever been scammed before? You've ever been scammed? You've ever been ripped off? Isn't that a great feeling? <clears throat> One thing I like to do is I like to uh, I like to watch videos of computer programmers who scam the scammers. Do you guys ever watch those? Isn't that fun? 
Yeah, because these people, you know, they're over in other countries, and they're like, you know, they ripping, you know, elderly people off and, and ripping off their life savings. And so I love to see the, the, the tables get turned on them, and then we'll hack into the security system of those buildings and tell them what they're doing right now, and it's, it's pretty awesome. But anyway, I also, you know, people try to scam me all the time, so I don't know about you, but you get, like, Facebook messages, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one from you. And I knew this, this I got a Facebook um, request from someone, and I knew it was a fake profile because I was already friends with this person, and I checked, and this was a, a new profile. And so I, I accepted the request because I knew what was coming. Because I like, I actually like to engage these people. <laughs> I've got like, right now, I have like three of these conversations going on. It's a little hobby of mine, but. So the person says, hey, how are you doing today? Which they wouldn't ask me like that. Anyway, I'm great, and you? doing great. Glad to hear from you. I was wondering if you heard about anything about Christmas and New Year home grant program. I'm like, and then so I said, yes, I have. Pretty awesome. <laughs> and then they said, the Christmas and New Year home grant program is a form of financial assistance, which is issued out for those who need who need of bill, paying bills starting their own business, going to school, or even helping raise their children with old, retired people. <laughs> old, retired, who talks like that? Are you aware? Yes, I have. Pretty awesome. Then I said, you should definitely take advantage of it. Should I send you the grant claiming agent link so as to apply for the grant offer now? I said, I already did it. What did you say you did? I have the link already, and I cashed it in. What a deal. They gave me $5,000. I have like three of these conversations going right now. And the last message they couldn't receive because this account has been shut down. So I've had people impersonate, like my grandparents. I don't even tell my grandparents. I just keep going with it until eventually the account gets shut down. But no one likes to be schemed, do they? Is anyone, is anyone else like me? They do stuff like this. Anyone else out there? Yeah. It's kind of fun. But here's the deal. If you know that they're a scammer and you and you tie up their time, guess what? They're not scamming other people if you tie down their time. So it's, it's time well spent, actually. But the devil is a schemer. Satan is a schemer. And if you live long enough, and you're, and you're discerning the Lord, you begin to see that there's a pattern to the devil's schemes. His methods become predictable over time. And many times, Christians, they keep falling into the same tricks of the devil because we're not paying attention. The devil has many schemes. I'll give you one of the schemes that Satan often gets us to fall for. It's offense, unforgiveness, um, um, sowing division among brothers and sisters and, and, and churches and workplaces. The devil will do everything he can do to keep you and I into a cycle of unforgiveness. Um, let me give you an example of this out of Scripture. And this is one of the, the devil's schemes. In 1 Corinthians, one of the things Paul, the Apostle Paul addresses, the Apostle Paul addresses um, an issue of, uh, in this case, it was an extremely immoral um, believer and in this case, he says, this, this situation, you actually need to deal with it um, 
the church needs to deal with it. You need to administer some church discipline over the situation. I won't go into the details of that situation, but Paul was saying to this church, hey, you need to do something about the situation. And then, you know, first, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, and then about a year later, he writes 2 Corinthians. He writes them back and then addresses the same person and says, you ought to now um, welcome back in and forgive that person because the punishment inflicted on that person was enough. That person has repented, they're sorry, and now you, you need to welcome them back in full. So it says this um, in 2 Corinthians 2, 6 through 7. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Jump down to verse uh, 10. He says, Paul says this, Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Watch this, verse 11. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Okay, Paul's saying we're not unaware of his schemes. We understand the schemes of the devil. One of the schemes here is to um, uh, not forgive this person who's repented, who's come back, so that this person wouldn't be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So the devil has some schemes. Unforgiveness is one of the predictable schemes of the enemy. By the way, I want to say this. I want to encourage you. Um, Satan, the devil, he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once like God is. However, the hierarchy of demonic principalities in this world, they, they are, there are regional principalities and demonic influences in different places. They will study you. They will study Christians. They will study believers to, to find out what your weaknesses are and to exploit your weaknesses. To find out what the easy, predictable um, shortcomings that you have are. How many of you ever, you, you've said this of yourself, like, oh, I'm just feeling kind of triggered right now. Someone said something, did something, and it rubbed you the wrong way. And, and whenever someone says it like that or that situation happens, you're, you're triggered. How many know that if the devil has his finger on a trigger, then it's your trigger? Like, that's not a good thing. Okay? The, the demonic forces uh, um, uh, will study you to find out what your personal shortcomings are. And this is why many of us keep falling into the same predictable traps. So let's look at... Um, yeah, so just ponder that. Think about that. Is it Why are you falling into the same exact things? The enemy's coming with these same schemes. Um, are there triggers that God needs to heal you of? Um, let's look at Ephesians 6.11 again. We'll look at this in, now at the, the New King James Version. It says this, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Um, everyone say wiles. You guys remember Wiley E. Coyote? Go ahead and put up that picture. Okay. Wiley E. Coyote. He's always trying to catch the roadrunner. Did you guys used to watch the, well, the roadrunner? He never caught the roadrunner, though, right? Why? Because the, the roadrunner was too clever, too fast. And the schemes of the coyote, they're too predictable and never worked out. Okay? This is what it can be like for the Christian, for the believer. If we are wise and discerning and understand the way that the enemy personally tries to attack us, we won't fall for the enemy's schemes. Jesus said, that, um, the Bible says the devil's schemes are predictable, and Jesus also said that the devil's motives are predictable. Okay, John 10, 10, remember this verse. John 10, 10 says this. In fact, whenever I see, I'm driving around and I see the time 10, 10, I always think of this verse, and sometimes I think God's calling my attention to this truth that I'm about to read you. 
Jesus said this, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his motives. Jesus also says what his motives are. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is Jesus' motives for your life. He wants you to have life. Not just life, life to the full. Amen? In fact, Jesus came to do many things. We could list, you know, probably a dozen things that Jesus came to do. But I think underneath all of those motives that he came to do, the, the one motive was give you life and give it to the full. He wanted you to experience true life. But the enemy's motives are, are plain. He comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There are demonic principalities who do not want you to succeed at fulfilling God's plan, purpose, and destiny for you. There are demonic principalities that don't want to see us succeed at reaching this world with the light and the love of Jesus. Amen? And so, there are demonic principalities that don't want to see you conformed to the image of the Son. There are demonic principalities that don't want to see you mature in Jesus. Okay? This demonic realm is trying to impede uh, our mission to light up the world with the love of Jesus. So I want to talk about spiritual warfare. I want to make a few points um, to talk about how you can fight and win spiritual battles in the heavenly realms. And then I want to highlight some of our spiritual weapons. Okay, so we need to take a stand against the enemy's schemes. Amen? Point number one. How do we take a stand? Point number one. Remember... Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Okay? You might feel like your battle is against people, but really our battle is not against people. Our battle is against, perhaps, the spirit that is behind certain people. And listen, even if someone is a Christian, they can become under the influence of a demonic force. How does that happen? If you believe a lie. How many know if you believe a lie, you empower the liar? Okay? And so... um, even if someone's blood-bought Christian going to heaven, you can still um, be influenced by a demonic force. And so, but our battle is not against those people. Our battle is against um, the spiritual principalities and, and heavenly realms. It says this, okay, Ephesians 6, uh, we'll do 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness, uh, powers of this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. Our war is not against flesh and blood. Our war is against the hierarchy of demonic forces in the spiritual realm. But here's what I'm going to encourage you. If you are a Christian, how many Christians have we got here? If you are a believer in Jesus, you have been drafted into a war. Congratulations. I hereby night you to pick up your weapons and fight, okay? You've been drafted into a spiritual force. Whether you like it or not, whether you feel like it or not, whether you believe it or not, you've been you've been born into a battle of light and darkness. Here's the deal, though. If Satan can get you to make your war against people, he will get you off of your true spiritual battle. Let me give you an example. Uh, how many know that we're going into a, an election year? And I'm sure there will be no, everyone's going to get along this morning, there'll be no contention, right? It's going to be smooth sailing, no legal things and 
contention and all those different things. Like, no, it's going to be ugly. It's already ugly, right? And it's going to get a lot worse. But listen, I think what the temptation of the enemy is, and I think I see Christians a lot as well, getting sucked into um, fighting battles in a way that the enemy wants to fight our battles and not fighting our battles in the way that the Lord has called us to fight battles. It says in the Bible that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's like, how does that work? I'm, I'm in him and he's in me. He's seated, he's seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father and I'm in him. So we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. In other words, there's a perspective that we can have is from heaven. We can see these situations from heaven's vantage point and fight these battles from a spiritual standpoint. Okay? And many times people forget that and they get so caught up in the, the whirlwind of culture and the whirlwind of what's going on. And they're fighting battles down here on the ground when we should be fighting battles up here in the, in the spiritual realm. Amen. Where we have authority. We have authority in the spirit realm. Um, but the devil would try to get us off fighting battles here on the ground. Let me give an example of this. How many know that the United States Air Force is like the most powerful air force in the world? Like, like almost any country, um, we could almost immediately just completely destroy our air force is that powerful. The technology, the training, the, the personnel is amazing. But let me ask you a question. If, if let's say the United States needed to fight a battle in the air, and that enemy got the, the United States Air Force convinced that, like, we need to get out of our planes, get, get out of the vantage point where we could just be above all of this, we're going to come out on the field and we're going to fight hand-to-hand combat. How many know that the advantage that we have with technology and, and weaponry and training would be nearly completely eliminated and that the battle would be much more even if it was hand-to-hand combat? Okay. I, get, I say that as an example of many Christians don't recognize the weapons that they have in the spiritual realm, in the supernatural realm. And we should be seated with Christ in heavenly places, fighting these battles from a heavenly vantage point. And we're coming down to this world and getting in these tit-for-tat, terrible arguments, and we're getting distracted, okay? I say, let's say, this year, let's not... Let's not get sucked into every little argument. Let's be wise and discerning. Amen? Okay. So, remember, your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against demonic principalities and spiritual realms. All right, that's point number one. How do we take a stand? Point number two. Remember this. Remember, spiritual battles have natural consequences. Okay? So, I'll say this. Many times, sickness... Depression, anxiety, fear, unhealthy thoughts, lust, greed, gossip, slander, rage, substance abuse, and even poverty can have its roots because of a, a demonic influence. Um, not all the time. I don't want to paint a picture that isn't true. Not all the time, but many times. Um, many times there. Let me give an example, one example from Scripture of where these things can have their their, their roots in a demonic influence. Okay. In Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, Jesus, and we could give other examples of scripture of this, but Jesus said, uh, it says this, on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Notice, she's crippled by a spirit. 
She was bent over, could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. How did this go over? Um, it went over to some people, not others. Verse 14. In, indignant of this, uh, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. Come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. I may think that the synagogue leader messed it there. I think he messed it a little bit there. Verse 15, the Lord answered him, You hypocrites. I love that Jesus got in their faces. You hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then, then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Jesus is like, this is, how much more valuable is this woman than a donkey? She's a daughter of Abraham. How much more should she be set free on the Sabbath? When he said this, his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with the wonderful things he was doing. Here's what I want you to see in the next scripture. Notice that there was a, a demonic spirit behind the infirmity. Now, again, we don't want to paint a picture that all sickness is because of a demon, right? But if you look, this is an interesting study. If you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, when he healed someone, set someone free, at least 25% of the time, the Bible describes the situation as having a demonic influence behind the sickness. Did you know that? About 25% of the time. And I would argue that that percentage is probably higher, but it didn't always say that it was demonic. Now, again... When, when someone comes up for prayer, praying for someone, if someone's sick, when you're sick, I don't want to paint a picture that it's always demonic or whatever, or that you've, or that you've always opened the door, or that you know, you, you know, you've always sinned or something like that. But I do want to say that sometimes that is what's happening, and we need to recognize that and know it. Okay, um, and even if it was a demonic attack, Jesus didn't always acknowledge the demon. Like you don't need to ask the demon's name if you're going to cast it out. You know, what's your zip code demon? You know, you don't have to do all that. But many times Jesus didn't even acknowledge, in this case, he didn't even acknowledge the demon. He just said, well, when you're set free from your infirmity, he laid his hands on her and she was set free. He didn't even speak to the demonic thing at that time. But I wanted you to see that to show you that sometimes that is what's happening behind the scenes. All right. But here's the deal. The demonic realm is real, but we really do have authority to fight and win those spiritual battles, man. And I want you to be a church that believes that, understands that, and engages in those spiritual battles. Okay, point number three, how do we take a stand? Remember, spiritual battles are real battles. It's not hypothetical warfare. It's not imaginary warfare. It's not a game. It's real warfare in the spiritual realm. This isn't something that the intercessors do on Monday morning because they're bored, Right? They're doing, they're, they're engaging in intercession and spiritual warfare because it's effective, right? The Bible says that the fervent um, prayers of a righteous man or woman availeth much, amen? Okay? Now, here's the deal. Jesus already, through the cross, won the victory. But many times we have to enforce the victory. Let me give you an example of this. Just because there are traffic laws... Greeley doesn't mean everyone's going to follow the traffic laws, right? 
or in the or in Colorado. How many know that that's why we have a police force? Because the police enforces the laws that are existing. If everyone just followed the law because the law was written, we wouldn't really need the police force, would we? <laughs> right? What does the police force do? They enforce the laws that are already there. Okay? This is very similar to what it's like in the life of the believer. Listen, I want to say not everything that happens to you, you should just lay down and take. Some things that come against you, you need to pray and ask God, God, do I need to rise up against this thing? God, do I need to pose this thing? Amen? When I was a, a teenager, uh, I used to go four-wheeling with a friend of mine, and we'd be, we'd be four-wheeling in the mountains in winter or whatever, and he would do this thing. He would, he would take his hands off the wheel and he'd go, God's will. I'm like, put your hands on the wheel. Last night I was driving home with my daughter. I thought this is funny. I took my hands off the wheel. I'm like, it's the Lord's will. The Lord wills, you know. And she's like, Dad, grab the wheel. So, how many know that if I hadn't grabbed the wheel and I kept going and I got in a wreck, I would have wrecked. And it would not have been God's will. Right? If my friend had let go of the steering wheel and wrecked when we were four wheeling, we would have gotten a wreck for sure. And it would not have been God's plan for us. Okay? We have to take the things that the scripture says we have and enforce them many times. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Amen? So I want to encourage you. This is why the Bible says pray always in every situation, right? Like pray over everything. Pray in the spirit. Engage. Pray for your family. Pray for your workplace. Pray for your church. Like be engaged all over the place. Amen? Enforce the victory. Let me give you an example from Scripture of um, a battle in the natural that also had spiritual, was also a spiritual battle happening at the same time, spiritual consequences. Um, Joshua, who was uh, the successor of, um, of Moses to lead the children into the promised land. Let me show you how he enforced the victory here. Joshua 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, Son of Nun, Moses said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land which I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where your foot sets, as I promised Moses. Okay, so God said, they're, you know, I'm giving you the land. So they just waltzed right in, and the inhabitants of the land were already there. They just said, yeah, come right on in and take whatever you want, right? Is that what happened? No, God had a promise for them, but they had to come into the land and enforce the victory. Amen? They had to take it. There was battle after battle that happened. They had to enforce it. If you jump ahead to chapter 12, there's a list of 31 separate kings that had to be defeated in order for them to occupy that territory. 31 specifically was they had to be dealt with. That's chapter 12. Chapter 13 starts off like this. Verse 13, or uh, chapter 13, verse 1. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You are now very old. That's a good word for someone right there. You know it's true if the Lord says it. Has anyone here ever gotten that word? You are very old. It's like a guy, maybe a guy in a midlife crisis trying to be cool so listen that ship is sailed buddy all right just accept it 
you are now very old. And he said this, there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. So Joshua spent all this time taking land, and there were still land to be taken over, okay? Um, let me ask a question. Did they just walk in and take those territories? No, they fought for them, okay? They had to claim the promises of God. The Lord, yes, the Lord helped them in every single battle they won, amen? The Lord, definitely, they didn't do without God, that's for sure. But the Lord used used him, used them along the way. What was God doing? God was teaching them how to trust him. God was teaching them how to um, expand in such a way where they could um, keep that territory, right? Because if they had expanded too fast, they wouldn't know how to steward that territory. So oftentimes God gives us a promise, and that promise comes in little pieces. It doesn't come all at once because he's teaching us how to grow. He's teaching us how to use our weapons. He's teaching us how to trust him. They fought for those lands. Here's the deal. Jesus won the victory, but don't be surprised what happens when you start taking ground for the kingdom of God. I would I would say like this. If, you're, if there's not any opposition in your life, I kind of question if you're doing anything good for the Lord. Because how many know, if you're making a stand for Jesus, you're going against culture. You're going against... Um, you're going against the, the tide of the spirit of this age, right? You're you're pressing against his opposition. How I many know when you come in and you kick a hornet's nest, you're going to stir some things up. And this is why oftentimes um, God gives. And I talked about this a little bit last week. When God gives a word, we we don't just hear the word and it's a done deal. We hear the word. We have to retain the word and then persevere with that word. Amen. When we take ground for God, we have to persevere. These battles are real. They require perseverance, persistence. They require grit. They require time. They require energy. Amen. All right, I'll conclude with this. What are our spiritual weapons? First Corinthians, or, um, Ephesians 6 lists um, a few of them here, but obviously truth, the belt of truth. Uh, righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. The gospel of peace, that's one of our weapons. The, the shield of faith. Faith is, faith is a, a, a weapon. Um, the helmet of salvation. The word of God, the sword of the spirit is one of our weapons. The name of Jesus is one of your weapons. This is how we fight, um, not against flesh and blood. The name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is one of our spiritual weapons. You guys can stand to your feet, by the way. Just with the hum of the music, it just felt wrong to have you sit there, so... Prayer is one of our weapons, especially prayer in the spirit. I want to talk about praying in tongues sometime soon, and all what that means and stuff. We need to we need to double down on that one, amen. Fasting is one of our weapons. Love is one of our weapons. Humility is one of our weapons. This is what this is what Paul said in Ephesians six eighteen, after he told about all these weapons and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind. Be alert. Everyone say, be alert. Be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. I'll give you one more verse and we'll pray and close. I, I, I said this verse last week, but it's, it's worth repeating. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 8. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility. There's one of our weapons. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud. That's one of the enemy's um, strategies right there. God opposes the proud, 
but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Anxiety is one of the enemy's strategies, by the way. Verse 8, be alert and of sober mind. Everyone say, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. devour. You have an enemy of your soul who hates you, who hates God's plan, purpose, and destiny for you. How many know there is more for us than against us, man? There's at least two-thirds angels that there is to the demonic realm, and we have authority in Jesus. I don't say all this to get you spooky and looking for a devil under every rock, but I do say all this to get you aware there are spiritual battles that we need to fight and win in the heavenly realms. Amen? So I'm going to pray, and we'll, we'll close you up here. Father, we love you. I thank you for every individual in this house. Lord, we thank you for who you've called us to be, Lord. And I just commission right now and declare over every person here who calls himself a Christian, a believer in Jesus, you would teach us, God, how to wield the weapons of faith and how to make a stand not fall for the schemes and the traps of the enemy that perhaps we've fallen for uh, for years, Lord God. So I just pray, God, you would teach us our identity in you, Lord God, and that we have authority from the from the oldest of, of us to the youngest of us. God, we have authority in the spirit realm, and I pray we take that authority and take ground for the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys.